Welcome back to the AUA Inside Track Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing making the transition from residency to fellowship, and I'm going to let our guest introduce herself right now. Hi, my name is Rena Malik. I'm an assistant professor of urology at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Malik. So tell me about your background and where you completed your residency and what your fellowship was in. Sure. So I completed a residency at the University of Chicago in the section of urology there. And then I went on to do a fellowship in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. So do you have to pursue a fellowship in order to become a urologist? No, that is absolutely not a prerequisite. A fellowship is done by those people who have an interest in a subspecialty of urology and want to pursue subspecialty training in that particular area of urology. It is definitely not a requirement by any means. Uh, The only requirement is that you complete a urology residency to go on and practice as a urologist. So how did you decide you wanted to pursue a fellowship? So there's a number of factors that I think go into the decision. Uh, You have to decide that you really want to subspecialize in a particular part of urology. Uh, Sometimes a lot of people that I know really enjoy all types of urology, and I do as well, uh, but they really want to have that diversity in their practice. I really enjoyed reconstructive urology and found it to be exciting and wanted that to be the bread and butter of what I practiced moving forward. And so that's why I was really pushed forward to go into a fellowship in my mind. I also really liked academics, and having a fellowship does help in getting a job in academics. So for those reasons, I decided to go ahead and move forward to get a fellowship. So tell me about the logistics of applying for a fellowship. How involved is it? Is there a long application and interview process? How does that look? Yeah, so I think every uh, every subspecialty is a bit different. Ours goes through ERAS, but everyone has their own application process. It's pretty similar to residency in that you have to, you know, write down all the things on your CV, all your publications, all your activities that you've done and get letters of recommendation. So that's pretty standard, I would believe. And then you do go on interviews and whether those are at the site itself or at national meetings like the AUA or for our case uh, in FPMRC, we do a lot of them at the Society of Urodynamics and Female Pelvic Medicine Urodynamic Reconstruction Meeting or the SUFU meeting. And for, you know, oncology, it could be the SUO meeting or things like that. Um, you can have interviews done there. But oftentimes as an applicant, I personally wanted to go to this sites and visit the places where I might be living for a couple of years to determine if that was the place I wanted to be at. But that's by no means mandatory, I think, in determining if the fellowship is the right fit for you, particularly if you don't have enough time off or the means to travel uh, a lot during that time. If you were talking to a urology trainee right now, a urology resident, would you recommend pursuing a fellowship directly out of their residency? And why or why not? Yeah, I think if you're interested in fellowship, it makes the most sense to go directly out of residency because I think once you start practicing, it's really hard to go back to being a trainee in any fashion. It's it's just a little bit more challenging, not that you wouldn't be accepted into a fellowship, but I think it's harder mentally to do that for yourself. So I would recommend that if you're considering it to do it right after residency. Let's talk about personal life and work-life balance. How do you balance your responsibilities away from urology and your personal life during your fellowship training time? So I think 
think actually fellowship, it depends on where you go, but most fellowships are a little bit less rigorous than residency. And uh, in that case, it's actually easier to balance your home and your life, your work-life balance. It really is a matter of, you know, finding your priorities and making sure that you make time for them. So for me personally, that means that I'm very efficient at work and getting when I have the admin time at work to do research during fellowship, I was there. I was working hard to get my my activities done that I needed to get done so I could go home and be present at home and not have to worry about those things at home about doing work at home when I should be spending time with my family or my children. So I think for everyone, that's a bit different depending on what kind of fellowship they're in, but it's certainly doable. And there are lots of techniques that you can use to help you balance your life. And that doesn't necessarily just mean in fellowship, but in practice as well. So being very organized and keeping track of the things that are prioritized that are most important to get done. And then you know, giving time for what I like to call deep work or really uninterrupted work where you can get good progress and on your projects or activities can be really helpful. Are there any downsides or disadvantages to pursuing fellowship training uh, that you want to touch on? Well, I think really the one that everyone should think personally about it is a two-year pay cut because you're getting paid as a PGY six, seven, or eight, depending on you know, where you trained and how long you trained for. So it is a pay cut, whereas you'd go out into practice and you'd be practicing and it doesn't necessarily translate into a higher paying job when you're all done. So it's something that you do because you really enjoy that subspecialty and you want the subspecialty training in it. And you have to really recognize that there is a financial disincentive to doing a fellowship, which is you know, which is a re- reality of the situation. So you have to kind of realize that and move forward knowing that and being willing to give two years, maybe one year or two years of your life to something that you really care about and want to practice for the rest of your life. Are there any networking advantages to completing a fellowship? Clearly you're meeting new people when you engage in a fellowship. You're at a perhaps a new institution. Can you discuss that? Absolutely. I found that doing a fellowship was invaluable for that. I met, I mean, personally, you personally gained mentors. So my fellowship mentors are very close friends of mine. I still call them, text them, email them all the time with questions or just to talk about life or work-life balance or how to manage difficult situations. So that in and of itself is incredibly invaluable. But then above and beyond that, during fellowship, you go to meetings with your mentors, you meet other fellows also, and so they become your lifelong friends. And you meet other people who are involved in fellowships and other programs, other uh, faculty, and you get a chance to really uh, be involved in your subspecialty in a very special way. And it um, it's really wonderful to meet all those people. And everyone is really warm and receptive and happy that you've decided to take on their subspecialty as something that you want to dedicate your life to. So ultimately, it becomes a really great way to meet people, to network, and to move your career forward in that way as well. What was the most difficult part about your fellowship training experience? I think the most difficult part of fellowship is that you're only there for a short time. So you have to move your entire family and settle into a new place, and your partner may have to find a new job for a very short period of time. 
And so that is sometimes challenging because we've been in residency for five or six years, which is a good amount of time where you can really establish your life and, you know, put your kids in school. If you have kids, your spouse can have a, a, you know, a a full-time job and, and get a job easily and, you know, be there for five years or six years. So it's a change for us in urology to go somewhere and be there for, for about two years um, or even one year and kind of develop that and then have to move again if you decide not to stay in that city. How about the most rewarding part about your fellowship training experience? Can you tell us about that? I mean, there's so many rewarding things about fellowship. I think number one is the 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 relationships that you develop with your mentors. I really can't stress enough how valuable that was to me, how much I've enjoyed being with my mentors, learning from them, spending time with them. It's been such a rewarding experience. And then, you know, of course, spending two years doing what you love is an amazing and incredible experience. You feel so full of, you know, incredible joy because you get to come to work every day and do what you like, which is, you know, so you know, every time you're doing work, there's always things that you don't necessarily want to do, but these fellowships are catered so that you're constantly doing complex, interesting cases, and that's really exciting. So that's just an experience that you really can't get anywhere else. And, you know, when I was applying to fellowship, someone told me, you know, when you're a fellow, you feel special. And I didn't really understand what that meant until I went to fellowship and I realized, yeah, you do feel special. Your mentors think of you as almost colleagues. It's not as much of a training experience as it was in, it's a different training experience than it was in residency. And so overall, I think fellowship is just a really wonderful time. And if anyone is considering it, I would strongly encourage them to go for it. Is there anything you would have done differently? Is there anything you would tell your a younger version of yourself before embarking on the fellowship experience? I think the one thing, I thought about this a little bit. I think the one thing that I would have done differently was spend more time learning how they set up clinic-based procedures. Because I think that we go in, we do the procedure, we want to learn the procedure itself. We can go somewhere else and you have to set up that clinic-based procedure yourself because it's never been done in your institution. You then have to go back and find out exactly what are the steps, what kind of numbing jelly do they use or what kind of lidocaine do they use or so on and so how long does it sit what is the workflow you know what are the nurses doing because then you're in charge of doing that so I didn't really think about that as much when I was in fellowship because I just you know assumed that everyone knows how to do this stuff but really when you're in practice you're the one in charge of making sure it's done correctly so I would have spent more time doing that fortunately I have a great relationship with the nurses from fellowship so I just call them or reach out to them when I have questions now and it's been fine, but uh, certainly would have been nice to do it while I was there. Do you have anything else you want to tell us about before we wrap up today's interview? No, I think if you're thinking about doing a fellowship, go for it and feel free to reach out to me. Um, You can message me on Twitter. My handle is at Rena Malik MD and feel free to ask any questions if you have questions about going into fellowship. Dr. Rena Malik has been our guest today on the Inside Track podcast. Dr. Malik is a urologist who specializes in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery with the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Thanks, Dr. Malik. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the AUA Inside Track podcast, an official podcast of the American Urological Association. For more information, please visit auanet.org.